Podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am your host, Adam Walker, and joining me on this cinematic expedition, as always, is Pat Mitchell. Howdy, Pat. We're here again <laughs> in the hot seat Saturday, Saturday evening for you, Saturday afternoon for me. Whew, yeah. Trucking uh, it right I, along. As I was telling off the mic, we got our first real snow here in Seattle. You, you guys have probably been buried in it for like months now i'm assuming yeah well a good hearty several weeks we i've been uh taking my daughter sledding and stuff for a while now yeah it's been great because we don't um in indiana sometimes the winter just misses us all together sometimes some years yeah. it's like last year was very mild I, I think it snowed maybe once or twice and with no accumulation so it's good to see some accumulation just i, I would just want to get fucking buried I don't <laughs> just that that would be the best. The more the merrier when it comes to yeah. snowfall. Yeah, that is one thing you and I definitely agree on is uh, we love our snow. And I do remember before I moved out to Seattle that it was really bumming me out because I was like, damn it, you know, because of climate change, you know, I was feeling like I'm never going to get consistently cool winters here. I remember there was one winter. uh before I left, it was like maybe a year or two where we got a pretty good amount of snow. Yeah. It was like 2012. And, uh, that was sick. That was, it, it got so deep that I remember I did actually get maybe a snow day, which is, you know, very rare for Indiana. And, uh, I also remember that I had a show show booked or like two shows booked. Um, and I had to cancel one of them because I, I told the bands, I said, there's just no way anybody's coming out yeah so. that's, that's a tough decision to make but yeah but, but the right decision to make yeah midwest handles their shit in terms of in terms of snow 
uh, acclimate weather in general, but you know, yeah. in the South, it'll fucking, they'll have, uh, it'll dip and it'll start like snowing or freezing rain and, and it'll be like a, a hundred car pile up on the fucking, it just happened in Fort Worth. Just, just like yeah, I, two I days saw ago. That. that was insane. <laughs> just, they just don't fucking, they don't have any, they have no judgment as to how to drive any differently. It's just yeah. like, it just happened. It like, it didn't even look bad out, like literally at all. They didn't even look icy or anything. It's like, I can't even understand. No one in the South knows how to drive apparently once, once it starts getting cold. Well, same up here because not only, you know, we've been getting decent snows every winter for the past few years now. So there's definitely a trend in that regards where, you know, again, attributable, I'm sure to climate change, there's, you know, more, uh, more of a regularity of like an actual like winter snow here, but you know, that's the thing people that have lived here forever. And there's also a lot of, um, uh, California expats that come up here too. So it's just this perfect hodgepodge of idiots that just in general, just don't know how to drive. Like I, I, I know I've said this before, but people do not, they are the worst drivers ever in the world I've ever experienced in this city. And I have to explain it to people because, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, they, they want to drop like, no, people in LA are the worst or no people in New York or Chicago. I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. You know, this is a different kind of bad driving. It's not aggressive driving. It's the opposite. It's just just the most slow. So passive. It's dangerous. (laughs) Yes. That's exactly it. Slow, confused. Um, yeah, that is really, driving. really fucking dangerous. It's yeah, more dangerous than people that are driving like total ass, well, assholes. <laughs> I agree. People here don't honk. They don't honk for any reason. Whereas, like, you know, I'm from the Midwest. You, you, you fuck up even like a little bit. I'm like, ah. Gotta give a honk. Gotta honk <laughs> all the time. I honk maybe every time I drive. I love it. I'm a honky. I'm a honky I'm- who honks. Honk if you're a honky. Uh-uh. I mean, <laughs> I'm a Hoosier honky. So, anyways, so that being said, not gonna have a smooth segue. Uh, other than I don't know, there's, no, quick, there's nothing to say. Other than, <laughs> let's say like uh, aggressive driving and violence um, leads to bad. Yes, things. that that bad driving <laughs> would make me want to punch someone in the fucking brain so hard. <laughs> <laughs> just kill him. <laughs> and there you have it. There's our segue because today, tonight, we are talking about the legendary Hong Kong Kung Flu. Kung, Kung Flu. Oh, man, dude. Yeah, flu like, on your brain. I got to fucking I got to edit that out because that was that's like a that's like a Trumpism. The Kung Flu. Yeah. Um, super racist. Yeah. Super racist. Um, we're talking about 1991. uh Ricky O, the story of Ricky, which prior to this episode, this was probably one of my favorite Kung Fu movies of all time, but I had not seen it in a while. I don't personally own a physical copy of it. I need to rectify that. Um, But you, from what I understand, had never seen it. So this is your first time. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I would, I would say that of the, uh, 
of the episodes we've tossed back and forth that one of us hasn't seen and the other one has, this is a home run, uh, <laughs> grand slam fucking recommendation out of the park. I, I was, uh, it, 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 I was, I, I actually, I'm at a loss for words as to how to describe how it made me feel in terms of <laughs> it's just greatness. It was fucking pure entertainment. It was just so fucking good. And I love, um, I love martial arts movies and it, it, it was just like the perfect blend of gonzo fucking surreal violence similar uh-huh. to last week with dead alive. Um, and I'd never seen a martial arts movie that blended in kind of these horror elements in terms of like real practical effects of really fucking bad shit violence. Uh, yeah. cause most martial arts movies, um, are, are more about the highly choreographed martial arts and not so much about the really over the top, uh, violence, but, I love the mishmash. Um, I, I, it was incredible. I, I can't say enough good things. I fucking absolutely loved it. That's super. I'm so glad to hear that because I couldn't imagine you not liking this movie. So it would have been really weird and bummed me out if you would have been like, nah. But yeah, you know, um, I thought, <laughs> you know, this would be a perfect compliment to Dead Alive. And it was, it's, yeah. It's super fun to watch. Um, I first saw it probably close to 20 years ago, I would, I would say. I mentioned last week um, my uh, old roommate, Nate, and I would watch just the most ridiculous, insane, over-the-top movies we could find. And this was definitely one of them that was in the queue pretty regularly. This would us. qualify. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, yeah. So, both both of us are pretty stoked to talk about this. Um, so... The synopsis of this movie is essentially um, a young man gets sent to high security prison and it's in 2001. And at this point, because, you know, based off of when this movie came out, this is in the the future by 10 years. um, All prisons have become privatized. They're all highly corrupt, ran by corrupt officials. Um, sound familiar? Uh, that's the thing about mm-hmm. this is you know there's yeah. obviously there's real world real world parallels to what is happening with the prison industrial complex here. Um, but Ricky gets uh, sent to prison for manslaughter uh, for killing a uh, drug lord who inadvertently led to the death of Ricky's girlfriend. Which we could probably talk about more in the in the body of the uh, body of this uh, show, the discussion. So, and essentially, Ricky goes to prison, and he's also notably uh, has superhuman strength. And the the melee ensues when he encounters all these various wild characters in in the prison, and uh, it's just this from from basically from the jump is the most violent, gonzo, over the top movie you will almost ever see so there you go um and as far as the box office critical reception goes so i couldn't find a budget for this but the i was gross, very curious about these numbers yeah the gross was a little over two million in hong kong dollars so i don't know what that 
how that equates in U.S. dollars. Fuck knows. I have no idea. So, anyways, I, I I would assume it's close because I don't know. I have no. I am not an economist. Uh, imagine that. Um, but anyway, so, so in one Hong Kong, Hong Kong dollar equals point one three United States dollars. Okay, so whatever that is. <laughs> and would you say it was two million? It's a little over two million. Two million one hundred forty-seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-eight. So you're going to crunch so, the numbers. 257,949 U.S. dollars. Okay. So by U.S. standards, not in any way, shape, or form a big budget movie or in any way, shape, or form a uh, financial success. But by Hong Kong dollars, for all intents and purposes, as far as I know, this is a huge success. This is a very wild, wildly popular movie. Um and by and large, critical reception has stayed pretty positive for it. I mean, there's really no – I couldn't see any real mainstream like Ebert, you know, Malton-type voices chiming in about this. But, um, you know, the 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 reviews that I saw were like, yeah, this movie rules. In fact, um, speaking of Dead Alive, one uh, – one reviewer from uh, Film Threat gave it five stars, saying that the violence comes fast and furious and is just as outrageous and over the top as Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson ever were. So, yeah, I mean, I and feel that's like interesting because this predates Dead Alive by like a year, right? That's true. That's funny that you mentioned that. I actually didn't even think about that, but I definitely see a through line between these movies. We mentioned Sam Raimi in the last episode as well in connection with Dead Alive. Yeah. So, but I definitely see a through line with all of these movies and these directors. Now, the director of this movie is uh, Guy Choi Lam. I'm, uh, I'm obviously fucking that up. We but. should have had a butcher alert at the beginning of this episode. Yes. We're going to have to butcher a lot yes. of fucking names are getting butchered today. Yeah, so sorry. We're we're definitely trying not to offend anybody and be on our... Sorry to our heavy Hong Kong viewership. <laughs> I, we apologize in advance. Yeah, so this you can send us hate mail or whatever. I I try to do my best to you know phonetically pronounce these as best as I can. But yeah, we're probably gonna fuck up and stumble over a bunch of these names. But anyways, the director. I'm not really familiar with anything else he's done. Um, I like to think I'm I'm I try to be fairly well versed in Hong Kong cinema, uh, kung fu stuff, but I'm definitely not like in any way, shape, or form an expert. There's a lot of movies I like from uh, from that region, but uh, you know, I can't like when, when we talk about the people, like the cast of this movie. I can't necessarily say, "Oh, I've seen like you know ten other movies that these people have been in." You know, whatever, yeah, sort of absolutely. Like so anyway, so I don't know if, if this is the style that uh, that this movie has is necessarily a, a penchant of the director or if this is a one-off. Hmm, interesting. But, um, but that's the thing. After I watched it, you know, I, I want to do a little bit more research in those regards and find some more of his movies and be able to see, you know, if this is just some like crazy wild one-off he did or if this is something that he – you know, this is a trademark of his. It's the over-the-top, crazy Gonzo violence and stuff like that. So, um, so that's pretty much all I have to say right off the top. Do you got anything else uh, you'd like to add before we? No, dig in? Um, I don't really have a whole lot other than my initial thoughts of. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious, and I didn't know if you knew this, but 
Is there a genre of a subgenre uh, in martial arts that is like this? Because I would be very much interested in seeking out more movies uh, in this same vein. Or is this like a, just a very unique uh, subsect of movie? So, as far as this particular style, I don't like know. About Bloodsport's it. the only thing fucking remotely close to this that I could think of. And Bloodsport isn't surreal in its violence; it's more realistically portrayed. Um, there are other Hong Kong uh, kung fu films that do merge horror and kung fu to a ridiculous level. In fact, there's another movie that probably we will talk about this season that I love to death. That is a prime example of this. I'm not going to reveal what it is, but there was a period um, in the early eighties where the Shaw brothers and anybody who is familiar with Kung Fu films knows Shaw brothers is, you know, the studio that delivered pretty much like every classic Kung Fu movie uh, from like the sixties on into like the early eighties, as far as I know, timeline wise. But in the early eighties, um Shaw Brothers their uh their market share was kind of taking a dip apparently and they were trying to figure out ways to kind of rebrand themselves for the uh emerging uh slasher horror audience that was you know kind of taking over globally so they started to take cues from horror movies particularly Italian horror and merge it with Kung Fu and it yielded some pretty bananas movies so, put so it there way. is there is a there is a vault of, the, of this that could be sought out yes there's, there is a subgenre of surreal horror Kung Fu from Hong Kong and I can't say that I've seen a lot of it but the stuff that I've seen I fucking love so much Again, this one movie in particular that we'll probably talk about is, to me, the it's the pinnacle of this kind of stuff. So, anyways, but Riccio, Riccio is different um, than this movie that I'm talking that I'm referencing. But you know, it's definitely I would I would say it it probably shares some DNA with that type of stuff for sure. So, anyways, okay. But yeah, so that being said, we're gonna move on to talking about the movie with the good, the bad, and the questionable. Here we go. Starting off the top, we're going to talk about the good. So with this movie, it's definitely it's kind of like Dead Alive, where there's there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good to talk about. This movie is just like thoroughly enjoyable from start to finish, in my opinion. Um, The main thing about this is the insane amount of violence this is one of the most violent movies i think ever made actually and it's violence that is in no way shape or form realistic whatsoever it's cartoonish levels of violence and much the same as like dead alive to me it's like yeah like you know 
it seems pretty grisly, but it's so like wacky and over the top at the same time that it could almost be like portrayed as kind of cute and fun. I guess I agree. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and a lot of that is attributable to, you know, the prosthesis and uh, special effects that was utilized in this movie to create the, the violent scenes and the fight scenes is so obviously fake. You yeah. Know, they lean hard in, into that. They don't, they're not trying to hide the lots of, lots of dummy, <laughs> Lots of dummies with uh, with jello molds full of fucking sacks of blood. Right. Yeah. And so this movie is based off of a Japanese manga, which I've never read the manga. But um, and so I feel like that, you know, has a lot to do with it. You know, this has this has its origins in comic books. So the director, I feel, was clearly trying to pay homage to the comic book by just being cartoonish and ridiculous with regards to the fights. So for me to break it down even further, there are, and that's the thing too. uh, There are very unique fights that you can categorize. So each fight and each death scene is a very specific kind of one. It's not just like, Oh, you know, five people just got blown away by a machine gun or, you know, someone just got like stabbed. No, each fight has like a particular kind. It's like a has a has a species to it, you know, where it's like, oh, you can say like that fight, you know, like it was the one where um, like Tarzan, one of uh, one of the criminals in the prison gets his jaw punched through <laughs> and then loses an arm you know it's very specific there's very specific details of the fights you know what i'm saying yeah there's great care and attention made towards everybody's death nobody's death is is wasted with with a gunshot or a stabbing or anything simplistic it, it's always like on paper i would have loved to see on paper like the idea is they kind of kicked around in the in the <laughs> right. in the writer's room. Like, let's have him take his intestines out and use it as like a fucking jump rope and then like choke him with it. Like, <laughs> it's it's great. There's some really it, you you could tell they cared. <laughs> yeah, I will I will interject and say there is actually one gunshot scene, but it's it's so ridiculous. It's uh uh. Yeah, well, even they, that. Yeah, they did sneak yeah. in a, a a gunshot. Technically, someone technically gets killed by getting <laughs> shot, but it's like a a fucking magic bullet that yeah makes him fucking explode. So yeah, an exclo- it, it's an exploding bullet. Um, but what I wanted to ask is, since we're specifically talking about these fights, of all the fights, what fight scene particularly was your favorite of all of these? Oh boy. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's tough to pinpoint. I, I think I would say the, I think the final sequence is, is pretty fucking bad shit. (laughs) Obviously when the warden transforms into like super warden, very Mm -hmm. similar to Vera Cosgrove's final transformation, um, that, that entire final sequence is just so batty. It's so, like, nuts. There's no explanation needed either. Like, 
he just hulks out and you're just like, well, of course, like you're not like, wait, wait a second. Why is he hulking out? Like it's not, there's no explanation really needed. It's just great. It's just fucking, it's so nuts. He looks insane. The warden, all the, all the prosthetics that they place on the warden. And when he's like punching them off and punching through them and shit, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, to reference Dead Alive, there is similar parallels to how the movies culminate into this just final lengthy bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, it, where, even where like with the uh, blood just like just being thrown into his fucking face. Like yeah. it's very similar to the lawnmower scene. Yeah, we mentioned last week about how how much uh fake blood was used in that final scene from Dead Alive, and I would I would argue that the, the, this this scene in this movie gives a run run for its money. It uses in those a lot regards as well. It uses it a lot. Um, what was but, your uh, favorite fight scene? Um, so I've always particularly loved that scene with Oscar, where in the yard, because there's so much going on with that from the setup of the one prisoner being crucified on the gigantic cross. Yeah. Like being chained to the cross. So like, there's really cool, like, you know, there's a really cool set aspect to it, but also just how that whole fight scene kind of progresses where, you know, it starts off their fighting. Riccio gets glass blood in his eyes and then he gets his arm sliced open and you're like, okay, he's done for. But then he like, he falls on the ground and punches through a water line and is able mm-hmm. to wash his eyes out. And then he goes after Oscar and he takes, uh, he knocks one of Oscar's eyeballs out. There's, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of eye gore in this, a lot of gross yeah. eye, eye uh, violence happening. So he gets his eye knocked out and um, Oscar thinks he's done for and he, he commits seppuku to himself. And then. When he's he's still fighting Ricky O, he chokes Ricky with his intestines. Yeah, that's peak. <laughs> that's peak shit. That's that's when that's when you know what you're in it. You're in the yeah. shit then. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think that one's always been one of my favorite. And just the there, there's the very first two like really gory scenes where Ricky O just punches through the torsos of two different <laughs> just punches right through i always associate with this movie punching through somebody <laughs> yeah the, the bodies the, yeah the bodies in this movie are treated like like just bags of gooey flesh like every fit, fist can go through everything in this movie <laughs> and and, yeah. and do yeah but yeah. that that prison yard scene uh, is also the like the highest level of of cinematic like cinematography that you yeah. get. Like, there's a real cool juxtaposition of the of the guy crucified on the cross, and the water main is the water line is like out of focus, and then becomes in focus and then the cross is out of focus when he punches through it. There's lots of like really like smart choices being made in that prison yard scene. It's it's really bizarre because it's the most like aesthetically pleasing from like a filmmaking perspective. Like it, they, they did a really good job with it. It's, it's crazy. And just the set design of it is so fucking tight. Like we would just, we're going to have someone not just crucified. He's crucified on like 
the type of cross you see in the Midwest, just like driving through these, these bullshit towns, like just giant, giant crosses in, in the middle of a cornfield with like a God saves fucking billboard like that kind of yeah. level of giant cross right and that cross it always actually reminds me too of on the back of the very first entomb record left hand path there's a pretty famous uh photo of the band they're standing in the snow in front of this giant wooden cross that is in sweden and it always reminds me of that as well <laughs> so i like that association too um but yeah so and then so the violence, the fights are all – and the funny thing is about the fights is in terms of kung fu, the fights aren't even really the best choreographed fights. Like I've seen kung fu movies that have way, way better choreographed fights and way more just uh, elegance and just crazy combinations going on. This movie in particular is just like – it's not really trying to like wow you with the fights themselves, with the style and, and the choreography. It's just trying to just bludgeon you with the sheer violence of the fights. <laughs> yeah. They trade in that. I noticed that too. They do trade in a lot of the, the masterful ballet that is like mm-hmm. a, a choreographed martial arts sequence. Like, uh, Jackie Chan prides himself in doing all his stunts and choreographing like 10 to 15 minute, really intricate and, uh, detailed fight sequences that if you fuck up like seven minutes in would have to be completely reshot because it's like a one take kind of thing. Um, and they kind of trade that in for more of the like dead alive goodness of just a punching through people's torsos and taking (laughs) intestines out and, and that sort of stuff They, they kind of made a trade out, but I will say you don't get any of that until, um, his, his fight scene with Rogan in the, in the kitchen is, is about as, about as choreographed as you're going to get in that movie. And up, and up to that point, you didn't actually get, um, you don't get that, but Ricky O's fight with Rogan is, is actually fairly, fairly well choreographed. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me of when, uh, Ricky gets captured one of the times and they basically have him encased in, in rebar Mm -hmm. and he gets, uh, a handful of razor blades shoved in his mouth, <laughs> which then he blows out through his cheeks and then blows onto the warden. And so the very, the various uh, um, razor blades just, you know, stick in the warden's face. And that also is funny because there's a lot of these like scenes like that, where the, the, um, injury that's being inflicted upon the the various uh, characters is so awful and so grisly, but they kind of act like it's more of an annoyance (laughs) with that. Yeah. 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 The warden is just like, ah, you know, he's, he's he's not (laughs) that phased by the fact that he has all of these razor blades stuck in his face. He's just more just like irritated by the fact. (laughs) (laughs) Which lends itself to like the cartoony, aspect of it it's like a it's like a looney tunes cartoon come to life yeah where like none of the violence has any sort of real world complications like people survive like really grisly injuries and keep going until their final (laughs) death it's it's great it's fucking great yeah i love also that one of the um 
one of the characteristics of Rikio, aside from his superhuman strength, is he retains five bullets from when he was shot by the gang lord in in his chest still as a as a memento mm-hmm. souvenir, very, as he says, as a souvenir, yeah, <laughs> very, very, very cool character attribute. Um, um, I also really, really like the character of Cyclops Dan, the assistant warden, because he's just so cartoonishly, once again, villainous, you know, down to every attribute. Like he has a fake prosthetic hook for a hand and a prosthetic eyeball that he can pop out. And apparently he keeps breath mints in, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like stuff. Why not? Right. I, I love shit like that, where it's just these, ridiculous elements you know to create these different characters um so what else i mean oh yeah also the the idea of the the gang lords the gang of four in the prison who all have like they all rule different wings of the prison they're basically like elementals essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so there's there's one for the north cell there's one for the west cell there's one for the east cell and there's one for the south cell um i don't know specifically which cardinal direction each one's associated with but but oscar is the the first one to die and then the so three remaining ones are rogan brandon and um tarzan so. Which, which, name-wise, why the hell is that one named Brandon? I know, isn't that funny? Yeah, because they all, well, there's Brandon and Oscar. Yeah, and Oscar, which, yeah, yeah, Oscar's, yeah. Oscar's weird as hell, too. But then there's Tar- Tarzan and Rogan, yeah, makes sense as villain names. Brandon. But I don't know, I don't know, that's just like, that's just like some poor... Anglization. Yes, thank you. I was like, how do you, how do I say that? Anglization. Speaking of not being able to fucking pronounce shit, can't even just, pronounce my own language. We're just honking honkies. What do you expect from us? Uh, um, I also like when you finally get introduced to the warden that he has again a cartoonishly. Uh, archetypal evil fat child. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, he's like the evil uh, uh, summer camp fat kid bully. <laughs> I wrote down that he had major Francis Buxton vibes. Absolutely. That's what I was totally thinking myself too. He, he looks very uh, Kim Jong-un esque, you know? Yeah. He, all the only thing he's missing is one of those novelty giant lollipops. <laughs> Yes, that or or the uh, propeller beanie. He needs one of those too. Yeah, he both. Yeah, the propeller beanie and the giant fucking lollipop and like him skipping around. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I also like the just the overall um, intrigue of the plot that you know uh, Ricky gets sent there basically uh, kind of on bullshit premises. There's there's obviously there's some sort of fishiness going on with the connection between him going to, to prison and the, and the drug lords. But then that's what you find out eventually that, um, there is, uh, an opium garden that the, that the warden is harvesting, uh, within the, uh, the prison and is selling it to, you know, people out on the street and selling the, the, the heroin that is made from out on the street, which ties it all back together to why Ricky's in there is because, uh, his girlfriend witnessed people dealing heroin. And then she, you know, got 
captured by the the drug dealers and then she escapes and then runs off the rooftop and plummets to her death um so and um, i read something online um someone was like why the fuck didn't he just punch through the wall (laughs) early in the movie but then somebody explained yeah that he well two reasons he has a greater purpose there which is to bring down the opium den he Uh he doesn't want to leave he's not uh I mean, he wants to leave, but he he wants to bring this this down because that that's that's all tied back to the death of his girlfriend. But also, he actually doesn't have the strength to do it until he defeats like the super mega warden. That's when he actually reveals himself to have these even more supernatural abilities than he than he had by defeating that boss, like like very video gamey kind of shit. Yeah, and that we're dipping into my questionable here because I had those as questions, and then I had that answered when I was reading more about it. So yeah, I, I mean that's just a my, that's just a fan that that's just like a fan explanation of it, uh, you know. But I I like that that understanding of it. That yeah, why would I like the question too? Yeah, why didn't he just punch through yeah, the right, wall? Right, right. He punched the wall and then left. Well, also there's there's the point where towards the end where he's they have him chained up in those very heavy, thick chains, and that was my thought that ran through my head was, well, can't he just break the chains? But you know, yeah, apparently that is one way of explaining it is his strength level has just not been achieved to him to you know, to be able to make those escapes. So there you go. Um, but that being said, uh, one other thing I kind of wanted to point out maybe before I move on is I, I like this idea that, um, to me, Ricky is almost like a, like a kind of messianic Christ figure. And I, you know, I, I like like the, you know, with the cross and everything like that, there's, there's these illusions and symbolisms, I think in the movie that kind of make you feel like he's that sort of, sort of um archetype in the movie and i don't know if you did this at all but i kind of also make like almost like a cool hand luke sort of association with Mm. ricky um in the movie but those are just some like little things that i like to think about while i'm watching the movie that you know he's there he's like a revolutionary messianic figure that's that's uh you know an abolitionist so to say that started to break the prisoners free <laughs> i didn't i, I that's very, so interesting I, i'm sure you know this cool hand luke is one of my favorite movies of all time i don't and know if i knew that but that's great because i love that movie <laughs> i fucking love i have i have a japanese cool hand luke poster hanging up nice. up in my loft i i love cool hand luke i love paul newman a lot yeah i I, I see the parallels now that you brought it up. It's like Cool Hand Luke meets Dead Alive. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because That's Luke cool. in Cool Hand Luke is uh, similar to to how you described Ricky, um, uh, but he's more of like a countercultural figure, like a yeah. like an Elvis type, like so, right. like a James Dean mixed with this uh, messianic kind of drifter vibe. He comes in and out of that. He keeps escaping, but is always brought back to the prison. But yeah. this idea of a savior of the people who is going is there to to help the other prisoners is is totally there. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, that was just one thought I had. Um, do you got any other goods you'd like to talk about when we move before we move on? No, I mean, uh, I everything you've talked about is is everything that I noted. 
um, as well. I just this this idea of uh, it's it's a the martial arts mixed with like this surreal batshit violence and the next level bad dubbing is just like the chef's kiss perfect recipe for maximum fun in my book. Yeah. Uh, and, the, it, and you know, I can't say enough about how bad the dubbing is and how it lends itself to, uh, even greater, like it makes the movie better somehow. <laughs> Just Absolutely. Like, That's what I need. Uh, all, all like the tech, what seems to be on the surface, technically bad aspects of it just enhances the movie in the same way that we were talking about with, you know, the juxtaposition and deadline between the animatronic baby and the, you know, yeah, the little person action, baby, little, little <laughs> child baby, where it's just, you know, when you watch it, you don't think, Oh, that looks dumb. You're like, Oh yeah, that makes it even more ridiculous and hilarious to me. Have you ever seen this movie in its, uh, original language with subtitles? I can't remember if when I'd seen it before, that's how I, I had seen it, but I don't think so. I, I feel like I've only seen the dub version. I would like to watch this again in that format, but I would imagine it's not anywhere near as fun. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. Because in but, I would my cardinal rule of thumb is I don't want not to be a fucking film snob, but I don't watch shit in full screen like a fucking <laughs> idiot peasant. Like I, if <laughs> widescreen is not available, I'm not fucking watching it. Um, and I don't watch I watch movies in their originally intended language with subtitles. Like I, yeah. I'm not a, a. I know we've been talking about honkies that we just love to honk because we're honkies, but this honky likes to fucking read and, and watch the movie as it's originally intended. But, um, in terms of this, uh, I, I feel like it's almost better the way it is with the dubbing. Uh, I will say that I feel for the most part, most old school Shaw brothers, Kung Fu movies. I do watch dubbed. I can't think of any that I really haven't watched that aren't dubbed. I think it's purposeful though. That's that's like yes. that's, that's the purposeful leaning right. of it. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's, that, that's that exception can be made. That, that's how they were internationally marketed. Were were you know were to be dubbed, right? Their intention, it, it, in a way, that's actually how it was intended. When I say I want to watch a movie the way it was intended to be viewed, they're intending yes. you to view it that way. So I guess that yeah. makes sense. Yes, totally. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So that being said, what bad do you have to talk about? There's some bads, but again, it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. They're not really that bad, but you know, overall, I don't have a lot. What do you have to say? I only have two bads. Um, one is like a funny bad, and the other one is a is a commentary on the movie. But uh, so first off. I think the attempted social commentary is lost amidst all the disemboweling and brain punching. <laughs> like Absolutely. there's, there's obviously something to be said about the privatization of the prison system and how it functions as a modern day, uh, glorified slave labor camp. Uh, you know, like there's, there, there's a rich social commentary to be mined. Uh, and this movie isn't concerned with ex- exploring that aspect of it. Um, and that's okay, but just don't start the movie off with the disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. Like, 
uh, you know, the, the prioritization of the prison system and, and all this. Like, obviously, I was not about five minutes in. You know that that there's no commentary to be had here necessarily, but um, <laughs> yeah. they, they could have maybe woven that story thread into it. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of bad, they just didn't explore that. But I think that's OK. Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well um, that it's just I don't think they're trying to illuminate to people what is an obvious structural issue that needs to be that they need to personally, you know, take up a cause for expound upon. Yeah, (laughs) it is is absolutely just, you know, it is a it is a plot device and I don't think it's anything beyond that. So I would agree. Um, But um, what I would say as far as uh, possible bads, Apparently, there you know there are some glaring like technical issues with like you can see some of the wires attached to things like the wall at the end. I specifically the wall saw at the yeah. end and and to the warden and some of the bodies flying through. But you know, again, to me, that just kind of adds to the charm. You know, Kitchiness, I just, yeah, I, I like that it's that it has these you know aspects to it. I was actually reading through. There is a pretty long list of goofs in this movie that. I never really noticed. So, but there's a lot of um, inconsistencies uh, and continuity issues that, you know, if you read about it and then you rewatch the movie, you see it. But I think when you're watching it and you don't know about it, you don't recognize it. That's to be expected. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Oh, I wanted to point out also in the the good before we we move on to the questionable. I do love the fact that uh, Cyclops Dan has an entire wall of pornography behind him in his office. That was in my questionable. I wrote down, uh, <laughs> is the assistant warden's office walls lined with VHS porn? Absolutely. Like I, I couldn't fucking – I kept getting glimpses of it and was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yes, that, that is indeed pornography. That That's great. The – the, uh, the only other bad now that you – because I don't know why this made me think of it, but – I had it written down as well. Uh, the only other bad that I had was um, those dudes in the park don't know how to do drugs. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> like, like I'm not a needle drug aficionado, but I've seen enough episodes of intervention to know that the way he's tied up, like the way he's tying his arm up, he's not going to get a fucking vein out of that. And he's injecting like straight into his forearm. Like you either, it's either in the ditch or your wrist. Like I'm not sure there's any, there's any, uh, any veins to be fucking mined in the middle of your forearm. And he's got like a, a, a cat's cradle of, of rope around his arm. Like that's not how you get the veins to pop out. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they the the producers of this movie weren't really keyed in too well into how dr- intravenous drug use actually operates. Um, which is funny that because I just I I thought that you were a big uh, heroin user. The, you know, I'm, well, I'm that's the only shy. reason. Yeah, my my keen <laughs> eye to that black tar, I knew exactly how wrong it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, you can, you can put it in the ditch or in your wrist, or if you're like, if you're a real hard dick motherfucker in your neck. Yeah, man. I would, I would have loved to see someone put it in their fucking neck and then inject it and their eyes bulge out of their goddamn skull. It would have gone with all the eye stuff that was already going on. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, questions. What questions do you got? I yeah. only had the ones that we kind of already answered, the, the main ones about why didn't he just escape all along. But do you have um, any specific ones? I have. So the VHS porn one I have. My main, the biggest question that I had, and it's not more of a question. I just feel more of like a total idiot. I had no idea, not uh, an iota, <laughs> that Rogan was a female. Right. Okay. That's funny because that was going to be what I was going to bring up if I had another question. So yeah, funny that you that you brought that up. I I, I didn't know until after the fact, after I did more research, that that there was an actress playing Rogan. So my question is, like, I know her character is purposely androgynous, and yeah. but I've seen when I did the little research that I did. I've seen Rogan referred to as both a male and a female in different in like different articles. So like, which is it? Is she a female actress portraying a male or is she a female that just happens to be in this all male prison? And not only that, but she's one of the four bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of those just weird ambiguities of the movie movie that I, I think they leave intentionally that way. You know, I that, love that, it. it, but like looking back, I'm like, she was a really pretty dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the same thing too. Uh, when I saw, when I saw Rogan, I was like, that's a that's a yeah that's a that's a cute boy. That's a cute man. There's a lot of eye candy in this because I was uh, if I can uh, gush over some male gaze here, uh, oh, okay. literally. Uh, I feel like Oscar had like. Chong Lee from Bloodsport vibes, like Bolo, uh, the Bolo Jung, he yeah. was fucking cut. I was like, I love it. And I love that back piece tattoo that he has. Like yeah. he looked magnificent. I don't know. I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. I was sad to see him die. That's funny that you mentioned that because I've always associated, uh, Ricky, uh, the actor that plays Ricky, see, see Wong fan with being more of like a Bolo Jung type of, archetype so it's funny that you you made that association with oscar i think because oscar is more like uh roided up yeah but i feel like for me when i see uh ricky's proportions like he has that huge upper upper chest and he has the long black hair it just makes me think more of bolo Jung, but you know whatever he made me think of uh, just like classic, like Bruce Lee, he was because he was like zero percent body fat, but skinnier than. Especially when he's fighting Oscar, you see like the size difference. Oscar's yeah. just like professional wrestler, kind of cut from that cloth. But yeah, right. lots of uh, lots of bodies to gaze upon in this. Yeah, this both those thing. Dudes, yeah, both those dudes for sure are like super fucking jacked and yes, in different ways. Jacked. Yeah, very, very admirable to look at for sure. Uh, okay, well, do you have a, a, anything else before we uh, move on? Um, let me see. I I had one. Other, oh, the, the, this is just a, I don't even know if you have an answer for this. The wardens, uh, I feel like it was like having a heart attack and then they just give him like a bunch of fucking candy. Like was his medicine like he had low blood sugar like what the fuck was that going on in that scene i had no idea so this is another thing that i was gonna answer later on but those are the his pills to keep him from hulking out did it not look like 
various candy. It looked like gummy worms and <laughs> yeah. like peach rings. And yes. Like, okay. That was, that was yes. but that was his med medicine that kept yeah. him from hulking. Out. Okay. Yeah. Those, those are his Hulk meds. Sure. Why not? That's fine. <laughs> that, that, that works. <laughs> that, no, that's all I have then. Oscar, don't do this to yourself. We'll die together. Well, then we're going to move on to our awards and categories section, and I'm assuming we're still going to retain the quotes, if you would like, because there's a couple good ones in here I like. Yeah, let's – let's well, quote, quotes is like uh, the per, a person that's on my shit list. Like if they fuck up one more time, I'm taking quotes off of this podcast. But we've had some rich, some rich quotes, and I love – this movie is highly quotable. Yeah, I would say right off the top, my favorite one is you got a lot of guts, Oscar. It's the best one, easily. <laughs> Which clearly is happening during the time when when Oscar commits seppuku before he u- utilizes his entrails to, to choke Ricky. <laughs> that, well, that one's so good. Um, yeah. Um, and then the other one for me, I mean, if it wasn't in the context of this movie, I guess with any of these, that this would make sense. But I just love... The final line of this movie, Ricky says, you're all free now because it just really like I feel like it really sends the movie off. Yeah, he might as it's very Western in terms of and then he like rides off into the sunset. Kind of he like freed this village from the tormentors. A hundred percent. And apparently I didn't put this in my in the in the wormhole section, but I did want to point out that apparently that whole scene has been utilized at some video game manufacturers conferences. (laughs) Yeah. So they use Uh, it at the end of their conference where they they will part show that part of the film and they'll say, you're all free now. You can go. <laughs> that's, that's bizarre, but appropriate. Um, and another one I had, uh, as far as quotes go is you hurt people without even touching them. What kind of demon is he? <laughs> that's that, good. Happens. that happens when, uh, when Ricky comes in to see Cy- uh, Cyclops Dan and he, by punching the air, he actually hurts Cyclops Dan. That's so good too. I he, love he that. He punches the air so so hard it causes him injury. Like so. a sonic boom punch. Exactly. Um that's all I got for those. Do you have any others? I wrote this down like so this is the first time I've seen this movie, obviously. And I wrote this down while I was watching it. But now I don't have any reference as to when it happened. I just remember it was like four dudes standing around talking about, I assume, how they're gonna kick Ricky's ass, and one of them they're like talking about how they're going to kick his ass. And the first one's like, first eat shit. Yeah. And then the second <laughs> one's like, yeah, then look our shoes. And then it cuts to the third one. He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what do you want? And he like turns to the guy next to him. <laughs> so yeah. fucking funny. First eat yeah. shit. Yeah. Then lick our shoes. Like that's all the shit you're going to have to do. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a good, uh, that was a good moment. And I feel like, uh, Zorro doesn't get like a ton of quotes, but I love that line about like, I was promised seven bags of rice to turn you into mincemeat pie or whatever the fuck. Like he said, like, uh, <laughs> that Zorro guy, I, that was in my good that just like tons of superb villainry going on. Like, uh, it's, it's like a bond movie villain level shit. Like, yeah. 
the aesthetic of the assistant warden with the hook and the eye and the and every like Zorro is is, is very Bond villainy, like just a fucking six hundred pound waste of fucking flesh. And it's so uh, aesthetically pleasing to see him punch through Zorro's stomach specifically because he just seems like a blob of fucking meat. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, the video game association, of course, absolutely. That analogy absolutely has to be made to this movie where there's very clear level bosses that you fight and they're very distinct. You know, to bring so. you to the next level. Yeah. Right. No, but that, that, that was, uh, that's all I had for quotes. Um, all right. So the next one, what was the best scene and what was the worst scene? Best scenes. There's again, there's so many, all, all the different fights in this are just so, so good. So memorable. Um, but what, you know, and we kind of already talked about like what, what our favorite, uh, fight scenes were so I don't know if we're just kind of rehashing things we've already said here mm. do you, do you- well I, so I think that is my favorite fight I still think like the final sequence is my favorite like boss battle kind of thing but my favorite actual scene is the shower scene towards the beginning um, because it's the first indication of the kind of movie you've kind of unwittingly signed up for yeah. <laughs> like up to that point you hadn't seen anything yet um well, so he does. Is, he just trips him in the workshop. Yeah, yeah. Well, there and there's the old man that gets gets his face sheared with like a planer, like a wood planer. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But then the but then you get to the shower scene, and it's the first like actual combat. I guess you get to yeah. see, um, and then you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's just gonna be him kicking people's fucking legs off and shit for the next 90 minutes. Like, okay, this is great. And just like bunching through people's body cavities. Like, okay, uh, you, you got me. I'm in. Yeah. It sets it off for sure. Um, so I don't know. I don't think feel like I need to belabor this anymore. Cause we kind of talked about, it. I would say the worst scene is probably what we were already talking about too, is the, the guy shooting up in the park. That one's pretty. <laughs> I actually put the flashback date scene in the park with the toy helicopters. <laughs> that was yeah. So fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. That one is pretty dumb. You're right. How did you feel about, uh, the, the flashback sequence where he's training with his uncle? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I don't, I don't really, that, that was another quote that I thought was funny. Cause he's like, show me how strong you are. And then he just proceeds to do a, a series of martial arts moves, but nothing that would like portray yes. any, any level of strength. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that I was funny that too. I, I, and I f- forgot to me- make mention of that totally. That That's a keep referencing blood sport, but it reminded me of blood sport. Cause he keeps like Jean-Claude Van Damme has those, those uh those flashbacks to when he was trained and he's doing like the splits on the on the fucking bricks and shit like it it was there's always in these in these types of movies a flashback to a montage training sequence to show like how do they get to this level of of expertise yeah yeah for sure um okay well so the next category is the Dahmer. I hardly know her. And that goes to the actor or actress with the most killer performance. Uh, who did you attribute this to? Uh, lovingly um, in tribute to uh, J Dom. Um, 
Yes. The, this is an aside, a, a total aside, but I think you would appreciate this. I don't, and I, so I don't know if there's a term for the guilt I feel for buying like super expensive, frivolous shit in the midst of a global pandemic and pending economic collapse. Um, so whatever the word for that is, my wife and I bought a Peloton. Um, oh, nice. Well, and we offset, we said we, in our minds, the mental gymnastics we went through was in actuality, we're spending less money than we would for both of us to have a full gym, gym membership that my wife would never use. And I would, you know, not go as much as I would want to. So long story short, we bought a Peloton. My, my picture, my profile picture on the Peloton is Jeffrey Dahmer's mugshot. <laughs> and my username is J Doms. And I say I'm from Milwaukee. And nice. whenever I get on for these fucking classes, this fucking, <laughs> the trainer literally is like, J-Dom's from Milwaukee, doing great. And I fucking lose my mind. I am waiting because it's going to happen one day. I'm waiting for one of these trainers to be like, J-Dom's from Milwaukee, you're killing it. Keep going. Like, I will fucking lose it. But anyway. Wait, um, so these are actually human trainers? These aren't these they aren't AI trainers? No, so you take like uh you can take live classes because there's like a there's like an iPad connected to this fucking bike. So you can take like live classes with live trainers who are hosting these classes, and if you don't catch them live, they all get recorded and you can you can watch them at, at your own convenience later. There's like a whole library of them. But yeah, you can get on a live on a live uh, class of it. And the trainers love to like call out the names of all the participants that are in the room. And I'm just waiting for someone to notice anything. But as of right now, no one's noticed anything. So I don't, That's I don't amazing. know. I love that. I love that so much. I'll text you my profile picture. It's so fucking funny. I'm sure my <laughs> wife thinks it's the dumbest shit on the fucking planet, but <laughs> It brings me great joy. So I, I'm so sorry to have derailed this, but this Dahmer no, shit made I, me think of it. Um, so the Dahmer, I hardly know her award for the most killer performance. I feel like it's a cop-out to give it to the lead, but uh, Lewis Fan, like Riccio, I feel yeah. like that is such a great performance. Like he does such a great job, and I normally would not give it just – straight up to the lead actor because he has the most meat to chew off the bone in terms of acting but he he crushes it like i i love yeah. i love him in that role so i gave it to him yeah i did too i feel like it was the most obvious one and i you know i did mull over some of the other people there's other there's other performances that are amazing in this i feel that all everybody does a pretty sick job in this in this as far as any sort of main supporting characters go but it'll always go for uh it will always go to him for me so um yeah so i had the same thing have you and seen the it man movies it man yeah uh, I, I've, I've seen the first one i believe but not because he lewis fan is in those too right right Yes, okay, I need to watch those because so this is uh, Riccio was on my radar forever. So I'm I'm just forever grateful that you brought this up because it um, I don't know if I would have ever gotten around to it because it just goes oh. in and out of my purview. 
yeah, opened up a whole whole new world. You did, um, and then I and I've been told that I would love the the It Man movies, and then when I saw that he was also in those, I was like, holy shit! So I think I might watch those tonight, but um, I just didn't know if you'd seen them or if they're great or what. You got yourself a new movie crush. I do. Yeah, I, I'll probably. Well, I gotta get this TC uh, <laughs> marathon over with, uh, and then oh, I have, that's I have, still ongoing, huh? Yeah, this last leg. Um, <laughs> it's not from lack of wa- wanting to watch Tom Cruise movies at this point. I, I still have a, a varied interest. Um, it's I getting a hold of some of these movies is fucking difficult. So uh, okay. I'm still in the in the in the fucking shit, but I'll let you know. Keep you updated. Well, I, yeah, I commend your perseverance. I thought you wrapped this up a long time ago. <laughs> no, I'm in the last leg, so I'm in okay. his basically from 2010 to to present day. Great. Yeah, I'm definitely eager to hear <laughs> your, uh, your closure <laughs> to this. Um, so the next category is entitled the Michael Rooker Award for the most evil fucker in the movie. For those of you that are not familiar with Mr. Michael Rooker, this famously uh, was uh, given the the mantle was given to him for probably I would say his performance in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. But not to say that he hasn't played other evil fuckers because he has. But for many people. Myself and I'm sure you know I can speak for you, Pat. That uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is really that is that is the coup, coup de grace when it comes to uh, his evil fucker performances. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So this uh, this award goes to who we thought was the 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 most notorious motherfucker in this movie. I actually had a trio of people, but. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to whittle it down to one specific one. Tons but, to choose from. Yeah, um, but I want to ask you off the top who uh, who who would you choose? I got cutesy with my answer, and I almost don't like it, but I'm going to stick with it because I think it's funny. I went with I said the warden's son. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I wouldn't expect that. That's good. Good left field. Just one. because, like, he is like nefariously like like he's going to grow up to be. Like what, what what you were saying, like Kim Jong-un vibes, like he's going to grow up to be off an awful human that destroys many, many lives. Yes. A despot. He's so he's, he's like an insidious uh, under under the radar uh, evil fucker. Yeah. Nah, I like that one. I'm going to go ahead out of the three. I'm going to go ahead and, and pin mine on Yukari Oshima, who played Rogan, because for me. That character, although, you know, the other choices for me would have been the warden or the assistant warden, of course. But to me, like Rogan as a character is the most like steely eyed, cunning, evil of the bunch um, and is like the most like I feel other than the fact that the warden is, you know, secretly this hulking giant. uh, Rogan is the most like cunning, uh, insidious killer of the bunch, I would say. So I love that that narration when he's about to fight her for the first time and the narration just says her her kung fu is so unique. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it says that, but and then you and then she proceeds to show you why it's so unique. I like that. That's a good choice, though. (laughs) Yeah. So that's mine. Um, So the next category uh, is the recasting couch. Um, I had trouble with this one just because. 
when it comes to watching foreign films, um, you know, especially when there's a whole universe of actors that could be swapped out that you're not familiar with. I hate to, I hate to do the shitty thing and then try and, you know, whatever, like whitewash or, you know, do anything like that where I, I, I westernize, you know, a possible cast, but it also does make for interesting, you know, thought experiments. So I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really have anybody. Go ahead. I was going to say, I put down as a joke because of this, uh, debate that has been going on with Hollywood casting white people in Asian roles. I, I went as a joke, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Rogan. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I, I would to- watch Scarlett Johansson, uh, shit on a monkey. Absolutely. So, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, so um, sure. Caster, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, just put Scarlett Johansson in the role of everybody in this movie. Just I would watch see Scarlett that. Johansson punching through viscera and guts. punching through Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, punching through the jaw of herself. That would uh, fucking rule. Punching off the top of, of of her own head, things like that. But yeah, so I didn't I didn't really have anybody. I mean, again, I just didn't want to obviously go for the you know like oh bruce lee is as uh ricky or whatever so i don't know what i was going to say was brother we're on the fucking same page i wrote i literally wrote we can skip this category because i'm not gonna whitewash over it with just like bullshit inane bullshit so yeah i feel like we didn't struggle quite as much i did i struggled when we did uh uh, Ichi the killer, but you, you, you actually had some good, um, uh, recasts. I, I remember that we talked about, it, I, I feel like, but yeah, I, 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 um, I think it's okay to skip this category when applicable. Fair enough. Then here we go. We are, we have put that in our past. Um, which brings us to the next uh, category, which is the wiki wiki wormhole, where we uh, delve into some juicy trivia and maybe some like little known facts about this movie. And to top it off, we always like to uh, discuss what is the body count of this movie. Surprisingly, this bo- uh, this movie has a low body count. I thought so too. Yeah. yeah, just because there is a there is a limited pool of, of victims to to choose from but uh yeah the body count is only 21 for this yeah i so i (laughs) i saw a youtube kill count video that was set to a lamb of god song oh my god i had to to put it on fucking mute and then just fast forward to the end of it uh they said 22 because i think they count the dog 21 uh people 22 if you count the dog yeah, I, I thought maybe the twenty one included. Uh, what I wanted to say with what you just said about muting, muting the uh, muting Lamb of God. <laughs> that's like when you like queue up like porn, and it's got like the most obnoxious. Like obviously, there's like the joke, like you know, jazz funk like soundtrack. But then there's like modern porn that you'll queue up, and it has like new metal in the background, and you're just like, oh, dude, my boner has like so deflated right yeah, now. Yeah, you have fucking <laughs> killed my boner. <laughs> you just had to send this to fucking drowning pool didn't you okay well 
there goes Italy. that. I guess I'll just fucking take a cold shower. Right? <laughs> this erection is completely useless at this but point. But this YouTube video was like expertly edited and put together. And this, then this fucking asshole just slapped the Lamb of God on it and was like, it's like, Way to waste a perfectly good. It was fucking, a great video. Like it shows every fucking kill, and it's got a counter at the bottom and everything. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because the new record is eighty-seven with Dead Alive, and I'm not sure we'll ever get that unless we do like a four-hour Vietnam epic at some point. <laughs> Ken, Ken Burns Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> we do a midnight flicks on that. <laughs> Season thirty-eight. We've <laughs> run out. Of, we've run out of ideas. What's the good, bad, and the questionable about Vietnam? Well, <laughs> the bad is Forrest Gump being a fucking movie, right? Exactly. That, that existed that, because of it. That was the worst thing that came out of Vietnam was <laughs> Forrest Gump being like a twinkling <laughs> in the eye of the creator. Oh God. <laughs> um. Anyway, so. Here's some fun factoids for y'all to chew on. Uh, so the lead, uh, Suwon Fan, he was only 18 when he filmed this. He was just a, a mere pup. Mm-hmm. And, and you, would, you wouldn't get – I thought – I assumed he was older because, I mean, he's pretty fucking beefy for an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know? That's fucking that nuts. Mean, that means that dude was hitting the iron pretty fucking hard. From a, I, I would say a pretty early age, where he just he just trained like really really hard. Yeah, you don't see many many people that young. That's incredible. That, that big like that that uh, packing on that much fucking muscle. But anyways, um, uh, another one is uh, the we we love to talk about our fake blood. There's so much fake blood used in the finale, the meat grinder finale, that Si Wong Fan could not wash the red off his skin for three days. <laughs> so that's a lot. That is. Um, this is another fun one. Uh, Yukari Oshima, who plays Rogan, basically literally caught, got uh, caught on fire during the uh, opium garden scene. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. So what was happening was while – uh, Yukari and Siwang Fan were delivering their lines to each other. Uh, Yukari was next to the fire, and apparently Siwang said that he could see her skin start to smolder and blister, and she didn't she didn't budge because she said she wanted to to finish the scene. What a trooper! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that nuts? Wow. Um. Speaking of Yukari Hoshima, Yukari Hoshima seems like a pretty interesting character. Uh, she was originally from Japan, and then she moved to China. But then later on, she moved to the Philippines and became a movie star there and changed her name to Cynthia Luster. Sure, why not? That's a porn name, though, unfortunately. I know, right? <laughs> That's like, really? That name? Uh, Strange. Okay. Um, this is the first Hong Kong film to be passed with an 18-plus rating for violence. I saw that, and I wondered if that had anything to do with the numbers. I imagine there's mo- most people just couldn't see it because it was probably f- fucking relegated to late night kind of spots. I don't know. Like I said, though, I think it was a pretty big hit in in Hong Kong. It's interesting, um, weird. Okay. Um, Mi Sheng Fan, who plays Cyclops Dan, is uh, Si Yu Wong's father. 
So that's the only factoid that I that I wrote down. I saw that and was like, holy shit, that that rules. Like how would you I would have never known that. That's great. Yeah, father-son duo. That's pretty adorable. Amazing. Palling around on set. Yeah, and me me uh Mei Shang Fan uh was in Year of the Dragon. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a Michael Chipino Chimino film that's got Mm -hmm. Nicky Rourke in it. Um, but I think like that's like really his only US uh performance. Oh big big budget US performance. Interesting. Uh, uh, this next one I got down, we already talked about, but the, the pills that the warden takes uh, are to prevent him from hulking out. They're, they're his, uh, they're his heart meds. Apparently his <laughs> hulking out heart meds. Um, this one was pretty funny to me. I couldn't believe this. John Hopkins university retains this film in its medical reference library for anatomical study due to its extreme graphic content. Why? <laughs> I don't know because it's not me, like it's anatomically appropriate. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe there is some realism to the fights that, you know, if, if these sort of acts of violence were perpetrated on people in these ways that it would tear their face off or their entire skull off, or I don't know, but that, that implies that there are people with superhuman strength that can punch through jaws and things like that. Which right. Maybe John Hopkins knows more than they let on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, this is one of my favorite little tidbits about uh, this movie is the gang of four, which is Oscar Rogan, Brandon and Tarzan. That name ha- is actually a reference to uh, what were uh, convicted communist party members in the seventies. I don't know if you knew about this. Uh, oh. this, is, this is something I've known about in a while because the band gang of four is a reference to this as well. So, and, so, and that was the motivation for calling them the gang of four. Yes. Oh, wow. No, I did not yes. know that. That's cool. Yes. So, um, and I remember I, I've kind of lost, um, my uh, understanding of exactly what happened with with that whole uh, story, but basically there was four former Communist Party members that defected, and they were they were uh, sent to prison for life. And one of them was actually Mao Zedong's ex wife. So, mm-hmm. but there was some sort of in, there was some sort of party intrigue that happened, and the Gang of Four became um, uh, historically pretty famous. I think. If I remember, it's like in the U.S. in particular, they they were regarded positively because they were considered like anti-communist, like kind of uh, agitators or whatever. So, you know, of course, like uh, the CIA and, you know, Cold War uh, hawks really like to, you know, put people on that on a pedestal. So yeah. I think that was the thing. And I think Gang of Four in, in particular, you, I'm not sure what they're – exact reasoning was but gang of four as a band they were a leftist group so i don't know if they named that themselves lovingly after the this group or whether it was some sort of you know a statement on even though they were leftists they were uh anti-authoritarian uh communists so i don't know but anyways but that's a great name regardless it just it's it rolls off the tongue very well the gang of four it's very cool uh there was like some alternate name uh also for the gang of four and i'm I'm drawing a blank it was like the 
the the golden four or something i can't remember. well i did see that it translates to that in english but the original in in, in, in the original language it's something completely different it's like not translatable yeah yeah for sure um uh the martial arts form that gives ricky his strength uh that he practices is qigong and and it's not as far as what i research it's not specifically a style of fighting but it's more like a meditative form like a kind of like uh what would be considered a keto it's it's more of like an emphasis on fluid meditative movement Hmm. and so that's what that's what gives him his strength is the practice of that particular style the qigong um let's see what else we already talked about these other things so i gotta yeah yeah, that's pretty much it. The other things we, we talked about, and that was like about why Ricky doesn't break out of prison right away and things like that. So did yeah. You have, did you have any tidbits? No, just that they them? were father and son. I did. That was the only one that I uh, that I found my for okay. myself. And there you go. Then, so at this point, we've discussed this movie at length, and it's time to give it a rating. So for me. It's. I want to say it's five. I, I give this a five. I love this movie. What's it's, the it's, iconography we're using? Oh, the iconography. Yes, can't forget that. Hmm. Man, there's so much to choose from in this. Um, I put but, five meat grinders, but, five but meat yeah, grinders. there's like tons that. of shit that you could use. Yeah, we'll we'll just stick with that. Out of five meat grinders, I give this five out of five. What do you, what do you give it? This is five, five out of five. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Back to back five out of fives. Great, great movies. That's not going to happen every, that's not going to happen all the time. And it's also not going to happen that we uh, agree this, this much, but um, it's uh, awesome when it does. Yeah. Well, and you know, to add dynamics, obviously we we need to have a little disagreement. We need to have a little tay a tay. You know, we don't want to necessarily be of the same mind. The one, we don't need to be one mindedness. So but yes, right now we're 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 of the same mind mindset when it comes to this stuff. So that's good. Um, okay, so that being said, I'm excited to find out because I have no idea. Pat, you're choosing for next episode. What the hell are we watching? Well, a couple things uh, uh, spurred my decision. One being, um, I had mentioned this movie and you had said that you hadn't seen it before. And so since you suggested one, uh, this week that I hadn't seen before, I'm going to suggest a return to Rennie Harlan, uh, by watching (laughs) deep blue sea, um, which I fucking absolutely love. I think it's the second best shark movie ever made, but obviously behind jaws. Um, it is only, it is bonkers only on a level that Rennie Harlan can commit to and pull off successfully. Um, I think it's fucking great. I think you'll think it's a lot of fun as well. Uh, so Deep Blue Sea is on for next week. Nice. And yeah, I've been meaning to watch this movie for years just based on the fact that really my best association with it is the Chappelle Samuel Jackson skit where he's like, you ever seen Deep Blue Sea? 
shark, a fucking shark ate me. <laughs> Which sucks. I mean, that, you have that association because that, that, that will ruin that scene. But um, I, I, think, I think you'll still have a lot of fun. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to returning to our old, old pal, Rennie Harlan. So that should be a lot of fun to, to talk about that next next time. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music this week is provided by our good friends over at Iron Lung Records. And it is the band Slant, South Korea's uh, up-and-coming premiere killer hardcore outfit, Slant. Um, as of this recording... They will be having a new album dropping on February 26th. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, I believe it will already be out. And apparently the pre-orders have already sold out and there's going to be another press come out. So that should tell you how hot shit this band is. So definitely check them out. They're really good. Um, and that being said, if you are a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Instagram at Midnight Flicks Pod. I am still working on the Facebook. I promise that someday it will appear. Uh, I just am dragging my feet on it. Okay. For co-host Patrick Mitchell, I am Adam Walker. And hey, we're going to see you in the deep blue sea where we're going to get eaten by a fucking shark next week. So tune in. I'm tired of you. Motherfucking naked sharks on the motherfucking research lab. <laughs> <laughs>